1: Hello, and welcome to the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Hi, hello. Before we dive into today's episode, just wanted to remind y'all to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts you know, if that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, we'd love to see those ratings come through. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. And of course, you can email us professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com with your suggestions for the future, comments, inquiries, and more. We are so excited to hear from you. Remember, we will be off for Thanksgiving, so there will not be an episode on Thursday Thanksgiving Day from us. We hope you enjoy the time with your family and celebrating the holiday here in the States. We will be resuming, of course, the Monday right after. But with all of that out of the way, let's dive into my interview with Justin Arnold. My guest today writes plays, novels, short stories, and the occasional rant. He's a junk food connoisseur who lives in the bluegrass region of Kentucky, where gnarled woods and abundant ghost stories fuel his inspiration. When he isn't writing, he spends most of his time trekking the wilderness, planning getaways, and experimenting with ways to make the most amazing vegan cheeses and pizza crusts. His first novel, The Prince and the Puppet Thief, released August of 21, and his new book, Wicked Little Things, is out November 15th from Tiny Ghost Press. It's Justin Arnold. Justin, hi. 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 Thank you so much for being here. I have to start the wildest way possible by reading like every bio you've written cobbled together back to you. <laughs> that
0: was very strange. <laughs> and I didn't know that the vegan cheeses was still in my bio. I've given up on that,
1: okay. well, <laughs> just
0: for yeah. the record, I should
1: probably take that out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like it's a solid vegan. I don't think anyone's. Made a good vegan cheese yet, so good ones,
0: but they certainly
1: weren't made by me. Let me put it that way <laughs> <laughs> that that is very fair. So to get us started, could you tell the listeners a little bit about wicked little things?
0: Yeah, so the elevator pitch, I guess, is it's like the chilling adventures of Sabrina or like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but the female straight lead has been locked in a broom closet and a sassy gay teen has taken over (laughs)
1: love it
0: (laughs) that's the best way i can sum it up it's about a a 16 year old his name is dane and his cousin is tragically brutally murdered so they go back to his hometown for the funeral and while he's there he is confronted by a coven of witches who are also the mean girl clique in town (laughs) And as it turns out, he is meant to be their force. And together they
1: can track down his uh, cousin's killer. It's a great elevator pitch. And it's it's a great book. This is where I also get to be a nerd and say, Tiny Ghost sent me one. Uh, ah. <laughs> I I was it's definitely... Pretty. Definitely reading and something it's beautiful here in Cleveland for a, a quick change. We went from fifties to eighties and I had all the windows open and like a magnet flew off my refrigerator in the middle of the night while I was reading this and the speed at which I jumped out of bed and went, who's here? Um, I got, I got the right amount of spook from this book. Oh, great. <laughs> it, was, it was like a long enough weekend that I was probably a little too tired to still be reading, but who got me good. <laughs> I'm glad I scared you. <laughs> yes, thank <laughs> sorry, you. Okay, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I'm looking for, right? <laughs> part of part of why we why we read what we read. So, I am very excited when I see new things happening in books and and one of those uh kind of starts off with your book as well as, you know, just some others that we've been reading lately. You include a content warning at the beginning. What encouraged you to kind of just start off on this foot?
0: So, that actually I have to give credit to uh, the Tiny Ghost editor, Josh Perry, he has begun including those in books. And just to, for transparency's sake, and you never know what someone's going through and what might upset them. Uh-huh. And I think Wicked Little Things definitely does deal with some dark content throughout. And you just never know to, who's going to be upset and, or not. So we just thought it would be best to be upfront about that.
1: I, I think that's a wonderful idea, especially uh, with YA, because you know what that at at any age truly mm-hmm. you don't know what anyone's going through, and I think YA still stands as my favorite genre to dive into because you get you get a little bit from kind of every every age range mm-hmm. I find in YA, and I I really appreciate this kind of inclusion of just starting right off the bat of like hey this is what you're about to dive into check in with yourself first. Uh, maybe pick this up next week if you're having a rough day today. (laughs) Right. And people
0: can look at it or not if they just want to be totally surprised, but you know, if there's something that
1: might upset them. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. And and definitely props, props to them. Uh, So you've got the book set in small town, Kentucky, uh, of Mm -hmm. course, where you're also located in Kentucky, just in general. (laughs) Uh, How did you build your location for the book and were you inspired by your own life at all? (sighs)
0: <sighs> uh, we're going right there
1: oh yeah diving right yes. in
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes um jasper hollow i'm just i'll go ahead and be honest it's very much paris kentucky which is where i was raised and still currently reside but there's also influences from another town called Cincinnati, which is about 15 minute drive from here because i really grew up between the towns my mom's family was there and we were here so uh it's really a blend of both locations, but mm-hmm. if you look at the description of Main Street when they're walking down it, it's very much Paris's Main Street. I've added some fictional trees. That's how I get away
1: with it. <laughs> that's what makes I've, it fiction. I've but, added some uh, fictional trees. <laughs> yeah,
0: but Hollow Beam is very much based on a real coffee shop that is okay. called there. Um, the abandoned movie rental place, that's really there. Uh, so, Yes, it is very much based on. <laughs> I,
1: I think that's great. I, I always find that to be just an incredibly meaningful because you are pulling from something that impacted your childhood, that when you were probably having some of these very similar feelings to Dane and just walking around a small town, you could also go, yep, this is, this is how I related to that abandoned building. And Oh yeah, and speaking of abandoned building, that hospital was real. It was torn down.
2: Oh, but
0: wow. it was real and when i was a teenager uh, that was a thing to dare kids to go up and touch the door and i did have to do it
2: <laughs> well <laughs> so. you couldn't
1: be you couldn't be the only one who didn't right <laughs> right <laughs> that'd be cool <laughs> it's so funny what we thought would make us cool when we were kids I know. touching a <gasps> door that makes you cool you know creepy abandoned hospital that's what it takes <laughs> mm-hmm. So Ben on the flip side, so we've got inspiration for your setting from, you know, kind of your real life growing up. I'd love to also hear how you go about creating your characters.
2: That's, that's
0: a great question. I've never thought it. I've never been asked that. I, it, you know, this might be kind of a cop-out, but it, each character has their own genesis and the way that they were created. Um, Each one probably has a whole story of how they came to be. I will say there are two characters that are based on or inspired by real people. And I did Mm -hmm. get their permission before I ever wrote the first word and they are acknowledged. And that is um, Ada, the coven leader and Hannah, which is Dane's cousin. They are very uh, much inspired by actual people. Everybody else just kind of, I think mostly it starts with a voice and you hear them say something. And then we build from from there and sometimes they come with their name and sometimes I, I spend half a day playing with different different things. I'll say the Reds, um, their names are all inspired loosely on kind of Halloween-y tropes like mm-hmm. Madeline Wednesday. Wednesday is the Adams Family character. Chloe White is a play on Carrie White. Elena Gallagos, I thought the name Gallagos kind of had the phonetic similarity to Gallows so we get some morbid stuff uh Dane Craven Craven just sounded kind of creepy to me and reminded me of Grave for some reason. so so many different methods go into the creation
2: of the characters
1: I love that so you've you've got a lot of thought behind names. you've also kind of you've kind of shared that they come from their own point and at some point they're truly just kind of birthed to you. it feels like so mm-hmm. you only have a handful of characters with real real world uh, kind of you know, drawn ideas from. But that's that's interesting. How did you know that you were creating Dane? How did he kind of come to be your main character? I
0: was hoping you'd ask
1: because this is my <laughs>
2: this is
0: my big magical mythical author story where <laughs> I get to feel special. So Dane came to me, I think it was about 2015, and I was in bed and I was in that between state of asleep and awake.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had been working on something else at the time that just wasn't working. And I just, again, this sounds like made up author story, but it's true. He just appeared. I could see him very vividly. Um, he was in his red jacket, but all I knew was his middle name. I didn't know his first or last, and I did not know his story. And it took me a few years before I finally realized that he was meant to go in that idea I was working on at the time. Oh, wow. And that, that, that became Wicked Little Things. Over time, but he came. His, his appearance came first, and I just saw him very vividly. And he looked like he was in danger, and he definitely has like blood trickling down his forehead. I don't know where it came from. Maybe I watched a weird show or something earlier, but yeah, it was very weird. I I I can't tell you what led to that.
1: But. I, I know. I'm like, what was going on in 2015? Hmm. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yeah, trying... we hadn't quite reached a certain point in history. right so that's that's wild I I love that he truly just kind of came to you out of nowhere yeah and and so if the idea for kind of like Dane and then the story building from around there started in 2015 how long how long were you working on this just in general like from the point that it was an idea into then like once you started writing and and now that we're near publishing the
0: earliest idea that i can say was probably tw- maybe late 2013 or early 2014 and that began there was a girl red jacket and she could talk to dead people and there was i can't say too much <laughs> i don't want to spoil but there was the abandoned hospital and what was inside it there was that that was it. and yeah, and then Dane came along and I tried him in different plots because it took me a while to figure out where he went. But I would say it was probably 2019 when it really started to come together. Okay, and it was 2020 when I started actually drafting what would be the book today. Wow,
1: wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. that's, that's <laughs> quite a lot. I, writing is is so fascinating because you never know when you're going to get that idea or on the flip side when it takes. You know, just so long for it to kind of all fall into place. So we've, we've been dancing around Dane a little bit here. Uh, he is super relatable in that, like, not understanding himself yet, his emotions, but now he's also got the extra add of not understanding his new gifts. How did you decide on a fire starter as your main character? You know,
0: I mean, I, I, I don't know the exact reason I said, okay, he makes fire. I will say one of the inspirations, of, of which there were many, was Carrie. I'm a big fan of, of the movie, the book. I even loved the horrible musical. I love it so much. But just that image of her destroying prom and everything was on fire and she's so angry because that is Dane. He has so much anger deep inside. It just made sense. And also, I kind of wanted that Carrie esque image of him. <laughs> destroying
1: things. <laughs> I I love that because the the difference between Dane and, and Carrie is the fact that he has control at least to a to a point compared to her kind of like losing it right at the end. Mm. But that's yeah. I I totally appreciate that. Uh he's also coming to terms with recently being outed and his whole world knowing his truth. Uh so we've got Dane's mom, she's kind of described as not really reacting. Kind of anything major in life in general. There's, there's a lot of like, okay, well, whatever we know, let's keep moving. What makes her react this way to just kind of many topics and emotions in Dane's life? I think really for Robin, she,
0: she has seen so much at this point in the story that the reader doesn't necessarily know about she's kind of desensitized to a lot of things and she was always a witch and it was never a secret in her family her upbringing they never kept it a secret from her so you know things are normal to her and I think sometimes she forgets that they're not necessarily normal for him and she doesn't she doesn't really like to Dane's very dramatic and I think she's a perfect mom for him because she doesn't get dramatic (laughs) and she doesn't feed into it so I think you know from a mom's standpoint you know that's your kid and they're they're being their dramatic little self and she just doesn't <laughs> stop and think wait a second <laughs> she
1: she definitely has like the perfect energy of how you're supposed to react when a child is like an infant of like don't react or else they're gonna think that 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 throwing food off the side of the table is funny right. like but she she never stopped and and that is a great thing to point out because initially you i just was like imagining her having no trouble at all with all of a sudden her son is shooting fire out of his hands Mm -hmm. and checking in with him and saying like how are your hands doing how is this going and that felt very normal to her but when dane is kind of sharing his experience of like basically she has no problem with this but why does she not react to anything else Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense she's just very like well this is just how life goes and and we're moving on Right. She's really the only person who can
0: normalize anything for him.
1: She has to do it double time. It's like a a great double whammy and she is the right person to be handling it. Very calm. She's She's probably my favorite of of all of the side characters. I was going to ask if you had like a a favorite side and a favorite main that people that really stood out to you. Yeah. My favorite main is, of course, Dane.
0: Um, Also, I I love EJ. Uh, He was made specifically to be the love interest and so how can you not fall in love with him yourself, you know, so I just I love him. Um, And then
1: yeah Robin is probably my favorite side. Yeah. Uh, So then, of course, uh, I love the inclusion of what I call the gay best friend syndrome, just the idea (laughs) of upon him coming out, the reality of girls flocking to the the new gay kid, air Mm -hmm. quotes on that listeners, uh, because you can be the fun add to their collection. I just wanted to, for everyone who's reading this, just know that that is such a real thing. Mm -hmm. And it can be exhausting to be a queer person sometimes when it's like, oh, do you want to be my friend or do you want me to just be able to just say that I'm your friend? Right. And so super important. And I and I appreciated seeing Dane say, like, yeah, the moment everyone found out, all of a sudden I had all of these people running up to me. Uh, So continuing kind of down some of your characters, we have the Reds, Madeline, Elena, and Chloe. Uh, It's a really fresh approach to a coven. So how everyone comes together, how everything is paced. How did you map out your pacing just from the point of their dramatic entrance into kind of like bringing Dane into the coven, basically? Mm -hmm. I really looked at a lot of your stereotypical mean girl films
0: and uh, just the pop culture of it. I looked for those common themes, you know, you look at the plastics or the Heathers or um, even the pink ladies in in Greece, They have a dramatic entrance and they say something mean or sassy or someone tells the main character that they're awful. And then after that, you kind of want to like them because they're being inclusive and they're adopting you and it's great. And then after that, they start doing bad things to you. Like in this book, they're going to kidnap him and (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, hazim and all
0: of this terrible stuff. So yeah, really, I just um, went off of the pop culture of the mean girl and okay. making sure all of those major beats were there for them.
1: Absolutely makes sense. Are there any other pop culture things you found yourself pulling from while writing just this book in general?
0: Oh, all the time, all the time. And we actually had to get rid of some because <laughs> Josh was like, there, there was one in particular, I, I distinctly remember him leaving a note saying, I appreciate the reference. Do we need it? <laughs> no, we don't, but uh, I wanted it there. <laughs> so there are so many, almost everything is probably a reference to something.
1: Yeah, you also are inspired by ghost stories a lot. Is, was there a ghost story that you pulled or even like an urban legend that you pulled from for Wicked Little Things?
0: There wasn't a particular one that i pulled from but okay. uh i will say the area i grew up in does have quite a few urban legends and ghost stories and that's where a lot of uh Cynthiana nearby comes mm-hmm. from i actually did a ghost tour there the other night for oh, uh, secret inspiration <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny because a lot of the stories they were telling i was like oh there's traces of that in Wicked Little Things, there's traces of this and that, so I think, you know, my brain just composted all of them together there wasn't a particular one, but
1: okay and so then we have to, we have to touch on our our killer, our mysterious force in the woods, and I I feel confident in doing this, of course, because not only from the first few pages of the book, but also from this gorgeous cover how, how, why who, why why (laughs) rabbit how rabbit, yeah.
2: Why not? How? how, how?
0: <laughs> well, so rabbits actually, I consider them my good luck charm. Oh. Um, and so when I was making a killer, I just thought, why not put this thing that's always seemed to bring me luck? Why not make that the <laughs> big bad? And then I can't say all the scare people. <laughs>
1: I love that. What a, what a smart way to do it. Like, well, these, you know, these have always brought me luck. Elizabeth Taylor wasn't wrong. Right. And well, he, and he's evolved because he was originally in
0: the first draft he was called Peter Cottontail and was from the 30s and he, that was his song. And then I found out, Oh, that's copyright infringement. So <laughs> I had to rethink him. I, because I just thought how terrifying someone's in a rabbit mask.
1: Right. And singing. And, and the songs. horror of that, right? Like singing a song that people is, like hear as childish and and whimsical and joyful, but also yeah. what you have put in here is is also spooky. Uh, to think you made it to nine one one, and then a child is singing to you through the phone.
0: I have to say I can't tell you where half of that came from. I'm just, I'm, I'm way more demented than I thought. I, I guess.
1: <laughs> I, you know, having read it, I think that's
0: fair. <laughs> More demented than you thought? Absolutely. I just thought it scared me. I didn't think anyone else would be scared by it.
1: Honestly. Well, to be spooked by a random noise while reading. <laughs> you, you got it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> now, how, do you think your theater background impacts how you create, how you kind of write, how you create your characters, your settings? Or, or do you find that kind of like your adaptions and, and the work that you do in the theater space is, is almost separate from your writing? Oh no,
0: it, it absolutely does. Because that's really where I cut my teeth uh, professionally as a writer. That was my first gig, just adapting uh, children's stories to be stage plays. And so structure and pacing, all of that was drilled into my head through that. And that I've learned that's that's how I, write books too and it works for me and i think that's also where you know you get there are moments in wicked little things that are very theatrical
1: and Mm -hmm. operatic in a way and i i think it's because of that absolutely makes sense i i can see those influences i can see the like we are leading you to a setup without feeling like you're being handheld. And that's the kind of like beautiful piece of theater, but also just like really great writing that has the ability to to direct you in a way that makes you feel like you're on the journey with the characters instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, kind of the anything to giving away. Since you were writing, kind of, like for theater, you were doing uh, children's stories into plays. Uh, did is that kind of what motivated you into the YA genre for writing? Uh, just kind of that younger age group, or what brought you into YA?
0: I always knew I wanted to write YA because okay. when I, I like to say when I was a YA. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I feel uh, it. <laughs> That was I was sixteen when the they call it the big boom. NYA okay. happened, that's when we got Twilight and uh, the Fallen series and the Vampire Diaries and just all of that stuff. And that was big influence on me. And I, I knew I wanted to write before then, but then I knew I wanted to write stuff like that.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, I'm a 90s baby, so I I feel it. The, the mm-hmm. market of good YA didn't seem to exist for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, and, and, the, and the LGBT market non-existent yeah all. not at all and uh what were some of your favorite from that big boom what did you find yourself reading as a YA at that time I'll admit it I was
0: in the perfect barrel of fish to get poached in mm-hmm. Twilight*. that I was closeted <laughs> in 16
1: and what could have been better <laughs>
0: here it is it got me um, I can admit that now there was a time I never would have but now I can. That, that was probably the big turning point for
1: me. We actually just this year did a whole retrospective where I finally read every Twilight book and we talked about it on the podcast and wow, I am surprised I didn't get hooked then. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am aghast that I was it's, not.
0: I mean, we, we all know it's, it's not, you know, the highest quality thing that ever was,
1: but but a phenomenon, nonetheless.
0: Yeah, you cannot deny the phenomenon or the appeal
1: or that now it's nostalgic. And so it's having this mm-hmm. whole resurgence. Now a whole mm-hmm. portion of my For You page is just Twilight nonsense. <laughs> right. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about
2: anywhere.
0: Hey nerds, I'm Sarah, the paper nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the paper fold where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and
1: players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, the paper
0: fold. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network.
1: What, just in general, is your favorite ghost story, urban legend? What's the one that, like, if someone had you at a campfire tell a story, what's the one you're picking?
0: The babysitter and the man upstairs. Gets me every time. The calls are coming from inside the house. When when I was at the theater as a playwright and a director, um, the teenagers kind of gravitated toward me, I think, because I was in my early 20s, so Mm -hmm. they thought I was one of them. But (laughs) we were doing some Halloween thing, and they were like, Tell us a scary story. So I told them that. And I just told it very casually, like it was gossip. Just very this happened and this happened and the end. No theatrics.
2: Oh, that wasn't
0: scary. Every single one of
1: them the next day
0: came up to me and said, I went to bed, it hit me. Yep. That's why I love it.
1: It, it absolutely one of my favorites. Uh have you checked the children gets me every time <laughs> and then the moment that the the police are saying the calls are coming from inside the house, oof, I lose it the sure. the one the one I was first thinking of, similar vein um, it's the person like babysitting and the family has a dog and you know the before the parents head out. Uh, the parents say oh don't mind the dog he likes to you know he'll probably just lick you a lot that's what he's known to do oh
0: yeah and
1: you know checks on the kid watching TV hand on the side you know just petting and then uh the baby starts crying and she goes upstairs and then she hears the front door slam and there's like a bloody message on the wall that says um humans people can, can lick too. yeah humans yeah. can lick hands too. Yeah uh but truly the same kind of thing there's someone in your house that shouldn't be (laughs) you know that actually reminded me of
0: another one I love and it's uh, it's also a babysitter it's always the babysitter
1: well what Uh, is scarier you're somewhere not your own
0: yeah and you're you're a kid watching kids all by yourself but I love it's uh the clown one and they have the clown doll oh no and and it's Creeps her out, so she finally calls the parents and asks if she can just stick it in the closet. And they say, "We don't have a clown
1: doll." Yes, I love it. I, I hate it and I love it. <laughs> it's it's always so good. It's like, oh, I wouldn't know that that doll doesn't belong. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Mm-mm. laughs> uh, what drew you into writing in theater? What was kind of the the spark? That was, I mean, that was my first, my first love and passion was theater. Hey. Okay. oh yeah I was you know
0: when I was a kid I was this awkward very I was very lively at home but in school <laughs> you couldn't really get me to talk or do anything so somehow ended up getting put in theater because I was not going to do sports and got hooked and so for a long time that's what I wanted to do I wanted to write and act and or, I wanted to do Be everything triple threat. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah so you know I did it for fun and that's what led to me actually getting a job as a playwright
1: at first that's amazing
0: yeah over time I realized writing books gave me much more pleasure and much more control in the stories I was telling
1: that is the interesting thing about theater you've got a lot of people that you're responsible to when you're in in the theater space compared to writing you've you've got yourself the message you're trying to get across Mm -hmm. and then the editor uh what was your first play that that I wrote, or was in Both. I'll take both. Well, the first play I was ever in
0: as a kid was A Christmas Carol. Okay. I was, um, I think I was like a, I was called a grandchild. Mm -hmm. It was like a grandmother telling the story. So I was one of the little kids in this jamming Christmas scene listening. And I knew everyone's lines and they could not get me to stop mouthing them. They had to make sure the lights were
1: off on me because (laughs) I was doing the whole show by myself. You were ready, you were dedicated. I was a star, is what I was. You were just waiting for them to find you. Yes, that's right. And then the first play that you wrote?
0: The Little Mermaid. Yeah, And that was my mission, was to make it not Disney, but have enough that the kids weren't going home and crying, because
1: it's it's not actual. Yeah, the difference between Hans Christian Andersen and and Disney are... Mm -hmm. Yikes. There is, some,
0: there is some creep stuff in that version. And sorry, I'm, earlier I was like, maybe I'm more demented than, than I thought. Now I'm looking back on that first play. And I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely,
1: I'm just not realizing. It was always there. We were trying to bring in the grim part of Grimm's fairy tales. And it had like tortured soul spirits. And there was like, so, you know, the kids need to learn. There. They do need to learn. It, there's there's like a thousand references for everything. We can't all all know them, so sometimes we just gotta help people know that tortured like, souls and returning to sea foam, like, and a lot of kids' stuff is
0: dark.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: you mentioned you grew up in the '90s too. I'm sure you remember Labyrinth and Crystal and Return to Oz. All these demented, dark things. That,
1: looking back, aren't really for kids. But they are. <laughs> I know where half of my nightmares came from, absolutely. Yeah. I think something many readers are curious about uh, is the actual process of querying and publishing. Like, you actually released a blog post today about it at the time that we're recording. What was querying like for you? So the querying process, it was
0: a little different for me than I think is the general experience everyone else seems to have. I actually made a huge mistake when I first started querying. Uh, I was almost done polishing the manuscript and I was maybe 10,000 words away from the end. And there was an agent and I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and send it because I'm going to have the time to finish this. I sent it at maybe five in the afternoon and 8 a.m. the next morning I had a pull request, which is great, but it wasn't done. And I remember I was at work when I saw that and I had to step outside and I literally just like I squatted on the ground and put my head in my hands. And I was like, stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> but then I got to work and I finished it and I sent it over. And of course, it was a no because the ending did not have the love it needed. But I just kept on querying and it got, I want to say, maybe six or seven full requests. Oh wow. In a couple of months. That's and amazing. Yeah. It it was incredible and I I sent that off to all these agents and a couple smaller publishers and of those all of them were R&Rs which is a revise and resubmit mm-hmm. and two a uh, two or three of those were actually offers. Oh wow. And yeah, and met with these people and for one reason or another each one was different something in my gut just told me no say no say no say no so so i did and i kept working on these r and r's and there was one in particular from an agent who was very enthusiastic and gave great feedback and told me you know if you do this 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 and this i want to read it and let's discuss it and so i i did that meanwhile that's when i find tiny ghost press and Something in my gut said, send it to them. Even though I was working on these R&Rs and i would stopped submitting at that point, something, their first book hadn't even been released yet, but there was something that drew just me. Yeah. yeah. So I, I sent the query and the sample and that got um, a request from Josh. So I sent it to him and I was doing an edit at the time, actually. And I was like, it happened again. <laughs> I done And I was like, you know, you got great timing. <laughs> I'm doing this edit, and then because I learned that time, don't pretend like you're not doing that. Just, just be honest. And so I finished that and sent it to him, and I also sent um, the R and R, which was pretty much the same with some differences, to that agent. Well, the day after I send it back to that agent, comes the offer from Tiny Ghost Press. <laughs> So for me, timing was always insane with the submission process. There was, not, uh, there was not the agonizing waiting for me. And I know that's, uh, that's a very different circumstance. I don't know what was in my favor for it. But it was very quick. And when I saw his email, of course, I was so excited. I did it again. I went down on my knees, head in my hands. Why?
1: Why, Justin?
2: <laughs>
0: but what a great problem to
1: have. An amazing problem to have. And and like the world of publishing is notoriously slow. So right. for you to send, you know, with 10,000 words left, like realistically, you had time to edit, uh, the, finish and edit all of that before right. they would typically ask. So like maybe, maybe rabbits were the right choice. <laughs> I think so. You had the luck ready. It was ready. It's never going to happen again, but there it was this time. (laughs) You never know. You never know. (laughs) You've got witches in this book. You've got ghosts. You've got paranormal murder mystery vibes. Um, We've also seen this book described as The Craft Meets Mean Girls. I'm with you. I'd maybe argue Heather's even more so. Uh, What kind of movie are you snuggling up to in the Halloween season? Oh, a few. Okay.
0: I love, I actually really love the old Disney Sleepy Hollow cartoon. Oh, yeah. wow. Every year. Uh, that's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hocus Pocus. Yep. I love, I love It. Yeah. And Children of the Corn, Pet Cemetery, really any movie based on a Stephen King book. I, I really like. <laughs> um, I love the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow. I love, Halloween Town.
1: <laughs> I love. Halloween Town. Every oh, every year, you will catch me watching that. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not? It's just perfect. It, when a movie is perfect, you, what else do you have it's to do culture. but watch it over and over again? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I mentioned it already, but this cover is rad. Can you tell <laughs> me what it, the process was like to reach this design? <sighs> Well, I mean, like, it's so cool. <laughs> I know.
0: It re- I actually have my copy right here, too. <laughs> For everyone at home, we're sitting here. We're just both staring
1: at the book right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, well, so after I would signed the book with Tiny Ghost, we talked about just cover concepts, and I, mm-hmm. I had to write up some descriptions of the characters, some things I'd want to see or not want to see. And I also had to go out and find covers in different styles that i liked that i thought kind of fit a similar vibe and found them but I, i wasn't really seeing exactly what i had in mind but i didn't know what to call it yeah so i just you know put my hands up in the air and sent it and then josh comes back and he's like you know these are great i was thinking kind of like a like a like a comic book inspired that was the phrase that I couldn't think of, comic book. It's very like the old Sabrina comic or the old Archie comics. That, that, that's where that inspiration came from. I just didn't know what to call it. So I'm glad he did. I and, see that now, for sure. Yeah. And then he found the artist who is Leo Pressland, who obviously must actually have magic because
1: look at Right. That. <laughs> well, down to like how you described Dane the first time you saw him in... 2015 like when the character came to you is what's right on the cover i cried
0: really hard
1: because that's my, that's my son right
0: oh you know? there he is right and now, now I, I don't know how he or i don't know how they did it because that that's literally what i saw all those years ago
1: that, that's him it's such a, a such a translation because this this looks like Someone that came from some like you described, like you said, your son to him and and or to the the artist, and they were just like, okay, well, we'll make that happen <laughs> yeah, for you.
0: Yeah. I'll forever be amazed by by this artist.
1: Hopefully, uh, for the next book, you can work with them again for another oh, amazing yeah. cover. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Come design my whole life, please. <laughs> right. Please make art for me to put in my home. Right. Uh, <laughs> design ne- my clothes because i love it right. <laughs> right yeah some some wasted talent if they are not also designing right just menswear any day please oh, leo's
0: brilliant
1: speaking of next next books what are you working on now that of course you can talk about
0: oh i don't know how much i can and keep okay that's fair <laughs> i i i work on a few things at a time okay very stages um, I will say all of them have some sort of spooky or horror element in it. And I will also say that I was actually having a little mental breakdown yesterday because I realized a lot of my ideas have vampires somewhere in them. And I don't know that I can do that all at the same time, have three different versions of vampires running around.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Life is all about finding the happy medium, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, Twilight's having its moment again. Maybe mm-hmm. we just need yeah. some new, you know, queer vampires. I think we do. I really think we do. Support it. I'll scream that into the void. <laughs> all
0: I will say is there one thing I'm working on. I'm very hopeful. I it's want to be the light of day.
1: So we'll That's see. very exciting. Uh, what, how are you treating yourself knowing that you have a book coming out? What's the, what's the thing that you're doing to celebrate? The thing that I'm doing to
0: celebrate? I
1: haven't done much to celebrate yet.
2: I well, really you've still got
0: time. That. I really should think about that. I, I don't know. I think I'm taking care of myself. But I haven't, I haven't had like a party or
1: anything. Self-care <laughs> is probably smart and often neglected. So, you know,
0: take some I, I time did, for you. I did take, it's release day. I did take off. One so that I can be available if anyone wants to chatter anything like that, and two,
1: I just I gotta put my feet up. I feel like I just gave birth or something. <laughs> you gave the the characters are now out of your head and into the world. You've the talk about a labor of love. Like there, yeah. there's a lot of emotion and realness in this book that is that shows that these characters are not just tropes that you've put names on, these are characters who have come to life, which is so exciting to see and to experience.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Before I dive into uh, our wrap up, which is some of my favorite questions as a nosy podcaster, mm-hmm. coffee is very important in this book uh, and my life as well. I saw on your Instagram, Justin Arnold author, the Drizzled Dane Latte. It's three mm-hmm. shots of espresso, three pumps of cinnamon bun syrup, Ten ounces of steamed half and half, and a drizzle of extra syrup. Uh, what's your go-to cafe order? It's that. Okay. Yes. Perfect. So <laughs> if if anyone else wants the Drizzled Dan Latte, they can just go back 15 seconds and it's listen to that. me give that's, the... That's, that's, that's why it's in the book. Because that's really <laughs> all
0: I drink if I go to a coffee shop.
1: I just named it. <laughs> That's perfect. See, that is the uh the power of an author. You can be like, well, this exists now because I right. said so. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So some rapid fire nosy questions from me. What are you reading or listening to right now? I'm reading Clown in the Cornfield.
0: Okay. Right now. And I freaking love it. What and, a name. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's one of those you think, well, this is not scary. And then you're going to bed. Instead,
1: so. <laughs> And you go, just kidding. I'm now my teenagers (laughs) listening to me talk about The Babysitter. Mm -hmm. It's what I get. Clown in the Cornfield. Okay, love it. Any music you're listening to right now? I'm listening to a lot of
0: uh, just random things that fuel my writing. Okay. Nothing in particular. I listen to, when I'm working on something, I listen to a lot of indie. But I'm terrible with it. I couldn't tell you who. I just... Kind of it's like okay. YouTube or Spotify going into a rabbit hole. I feel that. Lots of indie though, especially indie
1: folk. Okay, I love me some indie folk. Uh, what show are you binging right now?
0: Interview with a Vampire.
1: Okay, don't blame you. Uh, is, it, is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, I'll yeah. dive in. <laughs> especially when Claudia shows up. Okay, all right. It
0: took me a minute to really
1: You have to like get it. into it, okay.
0: Oh, a hardcore love. <sighs>
1: can't wait when i say public library what comes to mind books <laughs> perfect <laughs> love a free association do you have a favorite go-to restaurant
0: i go to uh Rose and Thorn pub quite a bit which is here in kentucky
1: all right i get to travel for work so you never know when i'll be in kentucky and Often need there. a need a restaurant recommendation
0: it's a great little place
1: where can the listeners find you online?
0: Uh, my Instagram, Justin Arnold author, is where I'm most active. I also have a TikTok under the same name. I don't have Twitter. So if you see me there, it's not me, and please let me know.
1: <laughs> if you see him there, it's not him, hit report. <laughs> <laughs> right. And now, before we wrap up, Justin, is there anything else you'd like listeners to take away from Wicked Little Things?
0: I, I hope they read it. <laughs> I hope they enjoy and let me
1: know, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listeners, you can get Wicked Little Things. It's out November 15th, wherever you get your books. And Justin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you. It's been a blast. (laughs) Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And as always, happy reading.
0: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe
1: Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.